Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. Joining me as ever, it's Alistair Gold. Ali, you well? I am, thank you. Someone pointed out the other day that I never ask you how you are. <laughs> and it's quite right, I don't. It's incredibly rude of me. How are you? This is a first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it yeah. takes someone from the outside to point out that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, could, could have done with a Tottenham game last weekend. Uh, yes. It is very much just like an international break and then give it a couple more uh, weeks then we do have the first international break of 2024. But yeah. Spurs back in action on Saturday at home to Crystal Palace and just everyone's counting down the days now until uh, Spurs are back on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. It does feel like an international break, although we've still got quite a lot to talk about, which is why we're kind of doing this. Uh, we're able to still do a pod this weekend. But, uh, I mean, you must be happy. you got your four points back for now, Everton. Yeah. Uh, for now 10, po- 10 points back would have been uh, nice okay. but yeah I suppose it's just nice to have some of the points back because you could have just been in that situation and they go no 10 point deduction stands uh, so we'll see what happens with the second charge uh, yeah. later in the season yeah, right so if only Spurs had given you 80 million for a Charleston you'd have been fine <laughs> <laughs> Right, we'll get back on to Tottenham uh, stuff and we'll start with uh, news about Ryan Sessignon yesterday. That came out of the club about half past eight on Monday evening. Unfortunately for Ryan, uh, he went off injured in the under-21s match uh, two weeks ago now uh, against against West Ham the day uh, Tottenham played Wolves on Saturday, February 17th. He has undergone surgery on his right hamstring. Uh, we reported at Football.London last night that surgery has gone well. He's expected to be out for 10 to 12 weeks. Uh, Ryan issued a statement uh, last night. He basically said he's gutted beyond belief. A couple of key points in there that I'll read out. Uh, one of those is... Having been through an operation and the recovery on my other hamstring last year and knowing how strong that hamstring is now, I know this is the best solution to put an end to the recurring issues. And then I think the key line in the uh, statement, which was the very last line, he said, speaking on behalf of anyone who's been in this situation, please be careful what you say online. Words hurt. No one chooses to be in this position. Uh, he's just had some wretched luck uh, since his yeah. move to Tottenham, but hopefully this is a step in the right direction for him. Yeah, honestly, poor guy. He really is. You know, it's just just wants to do what he loves and plays football uh, and play football. And pretty much from June in that summer before he signed for Spurs when he got his first injury on um, international duty with England under-21s, he's just... I mean, I was looking back at it and he actually... He had a few years um, 
in the middle. Um, it was, what was it, 20, 2020, much of 2021, and most of 2022. And actually, relatively, he didn't have too many problems with his hamstrings. He had the odd little one that would keep him out for a couple of weeks. But actually, across those three years, which included the loan at Hoffenheim, pretty much got quite a bit of football in his legs. And he must have thought, yes, I'm back on track. And then just 2023 was just the year from hell from him. It really was. Um, and people often ask, you know, why why don't they just do the surgery? Why don't they just get surgery done, fix it straight away? But that is always the last resort. It's always in these situations because it's a very, I guess it's an invasive procedure in your body. You know, it's trying to do something that if there's any other way. And like I said, those three years where it looked like he was kind of, they were managing it. He was strengthening a lot of the muscles around them. And then, yeah, 2023, it all just went absolutely haywire on that left hamstring. Um, and eventually they went for surgery. And this is what makes it kind of just even more frustrating, I guess, for him. Is like he said in that statement, he could feel how strong that left hamstring was. It had done it. It had done the trick. It was brilliant. The, the whole point of this surgery, and I remember reporting at the time, was they believed there'd been pretty much or very 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 slim chance of reoccurrence so i think a lot of people are oh no when he went down injured in that west ham under 21s game and you're thinking what and then you realize it's the other leg so he's now you know it's now the right hamstring um and it looks like very quickly because of the success of what happened with the left one in the surgery they they've gone and looked at it going yep yep get it done get it done Let's get through the same foundation of having both hamstrings now strengthened up and as strong as possible. So that will happen. 10 to 12 weeks puts him towards the end of the season. We're almost there. It's one of those where you wonder, will he be involved at all at the end? Or do you just kind of almost write off this season and just look towards pre-season, getting ready for the next season? Um and yeah, obviously that's down to them. It's down to his recovery time. Obviously, they were very cautious with him this time. I think this is a quicker recovery period this time. It was quite a quick operation. Um, yeah, so there's that aspect of it. And look, he's 23 years old, still gets most of his career ahead of him now. So if this can fix these hamstring issues, which to be fair, has been the only real problem he's had in terms of injuries. It's always pretty much been centered around the hamstring. So if that can be sorted, remove the fear in his own body. Um, you know, we've seen a few times we've been willing him to kind of run at the defence, run at them, and you just know nagging in the back of his mind are these hamstrings. Um, but if he can remove that doubt, then, you know, you can go back to the player that everyone was tipping to be one of the best young English players to come into the game. You know, I, I did a piece a couple of weeks back um, in my newsletter. I did a feature on him about how, you know, the likes... Uh, of his, all his former manager saying he was the best young player he'd ever worked with. And Mourinho told me in a presser that he kind of could see traits of Ashley Cole. Um, yeah, Ranieri said he was the best young player he'd worked with as well. Um, was it Jukanovic? It was the Fulham boss. It was, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. It was. Yeah, he said he was um, the best football, one of the best football projects in England and the world for a coach to work with. Um, it just honestly, this is kind of what frustrates me about the second point <laughs> what i'm going to talk about in the second and the end par in that uh, paragraph in that statement about you know what comes next on social media for him and we kind of saw it yesterday um is this kind of almost all of these coaches say these things everyone that works with him can see the clear potential he's got but i guess injuries just 
kind of maybe change, like revise history. People just get angry, frustrated, and they look at a player who is a lesser version of the Sessegnon that we were going to get because of the fear of the hamstrings. I think that's been a big part of it as well. But yeah, to actually have to come out a 23-year-old and ask people really politely, please don't abuse me, is such a sad state of like, affairs and just the way the world is right now. I mean, we we're only talking a couple of weeks about, about Brennan Johnson limiting comments on his social media because of the abuse he'd got. He's only been at Spurs for six months. Um, and I think the saddest part in both of these cases is it's coming from Spurs fans. You know, it's like supporters not supporting. Um, I do wonder whether there's an element of some people that maybe have got frustrations with the club or the people at the top of the club are using this as a, um, I don't know, as a vessel to kind of pour out that frustration again on a player that they think, you know, is shouldn't be there, isn't good enough for the club, whatever it is they're trying to say. But as we were discussing just before we came on air, it's like having debates about the quality of a player, whether they should be at the club, all of that is absolutely fine. That That's what we do. That's what we do on the podcast. That's what we do as football fans. But there's a time and a place. You know, should you be replying to either the player or the club talking about a player getting an operation saying, yeah, but whatever, he's rubbish or he's not good enough or he needs to retire. I've seen some of the posts are like, he should retire, hang up his boots, waste of money. And you kind of think, where are we in life where that is the response? You know, I think some people just feel like it's an opinion that has to be heard. You know, people need to know my hot take on this player kind of thing. It's like, no, no, they don't. Nobody does. I'm sorry. You know, in the summer, if you want to say he's a player that should be sold, absolutely fine. But as this guy is kind of, recovering, sitting there, lying there, whatever he's doing after his operation, hoping that this has fixed his career and can do what he loves again. Having, you know, some bloke with a random profile picture of another footballer telling him that his career's done and just retire, quit, hang up your boots. Nobody needs that. Where's the morals that are involved in, in kind of wanting to do a post? There was one I saw yesterday, someone saying similar things. His profile picture was Deli Alley. This is the same Deli Ali who, you know, in the past year or so has talked about battling with mental health struggles and things like that and, and, and having his own injury problems as well. And you kind of think, just is, is there no self-awareness left in the world? I don't know. But I just see it. And I just found that so sad that he had to include that line at the end of his, his post, kind of almost standing there for other people that are in the same situation. And I did think it helped. Looking through the replies on his actual posts, there's very few that are really having a pop at him. Um, most of those are on the club post. But, you know, he shouldn't have to do that. And there's also, there's people like tag him in. Actually tag him in to tell him what they think of him. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just from a, a different generation. I don't know. Um, but I just find it bizarre, this need to let people know your opinion, even if it's the worst possible time to do so. I don't know what you think about it, but that's sorry, that's my little social media rant that I seem to have once every few months when it really annoys me. Yeah, he's I mean, he's just wrong and uh, there's no need for it at all. Uh, I don't know why players are even bother looking at social media if yeah. they're being honest, given the amount of uh abuse, uh, quite a lot of them cop. Uh, but I think just looking under. The comments on I think Ryan's social media person Tottenham's like you can see everyone at the club 
he's behind him, his family, friends, and I think that's the most important thing mm. for him. Love his teammates as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's just really, really unfortunate for Ryan. A big, big season for him uh, with Ange taking on the job and wanting, you know, to make a big impression on him because he does have the attributes, you know, to be a hit in his system. But it's one of these, if it has to sacrifice a year of his career to then prolong it in the long run, then, you know, fine. It is what it is because I think it's... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Literally, what did he get against Burnley? About seven minutes in the cup. That's all around he's played that, yeah. there. And if he's to be out out for around ten to twelve weeks, then, like you said, you're probably looking at maybe the last Premier League game, maybe the uh, post-match fixture in Australia if it goes ahead. But mm-hmm. Chelsea had the post-match fixture uh, a few years ago when Sari was manager. Uh, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek got a really serious injury. So, you know, if I'm Tottenham, you just steer clear of playing yeah. Ryan or, or someone else because, you know, someone probably is going to get injured. It's just the way it seems to go. Uh, sticking with Chelsea, though, uh, I think Reese James, he's had similar issues over the past year. And I think this last time he got injured, I think it was away against Everton in December. I think then they decided, right, now he's going to need to go and get surgery because it was every time he was returning, it was just another yeah. false start. And a couple of games into his comeback, then he was back on the sidelines. And unfortunately, it's just the way it seems to go for some of the players. But given his words on the surgery in the summer and how strong his left hamstring is, fingers crossed, you know, uh, the same will happen with his right hamstring. And then from next season, can make his mark for Tottenham or if he's heading out on loan or playing elsewhere, then everyone just wants to see him back on the pitch because there's a quality player in there and he's just had, you know, a truly awful time of it over the past year or so. Yeah, I think just to have both hamstring goes uh, going, you know, it's, I guess if you're maybe favouring or putting more pressure on the other leg, maybe because you're worried about that leg, maybe that's a natural consequence of it, but yeah, I just I feel so sorry for him. And, I mean, in a way, he's kind of got the double-edged sword of getting into the game and starting. I mean, he was 16, wasn't he, when he was playing first-team football? And and maybe that's played a part of the workload from such a young age, perhaps. But I guess the flip side to that is it feels like he's been around for ages. I mean, he's had a career that's been like six, seven years already. Um, but actually, it means that if he can sort this, then he's got the entire kind of whatever he wants to to do, another 10 years, maybe more, 15 years, whatever, to play. So, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a tough time. No, no doubt he's absolutely gutted by it, as his words um, indicate. But hopefully it's just a, it's a, it can put an end to this period and then move forward properly. And, and like we say, 
whether it is at Tottenham in the future or not, we'll see. We don't know. I mean, obviously, there's his contract situation. It's uh, currently up in 2025. We don't know if there's an option there or not to prolong that for another year uh, or extend that by another year. Um, whether I think in an ideal world, a loan next season probably would be great for him. But like we say, if his contract ends in 2025, you can't really do that unless there's some kind of option to buy, which again, for a club, when he's coming back from a year of not playing, that's a difficult kind of chance to take for them. Although I suppose if it's an option, it's 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 kind of does negate some of that. Um, but yeah, like you say, I think the key thing is now is other than those who've just decided they've got to tell him <laughs> what they think of him, um, everyone else wishes him the best. And I've seen some of that kind of half attempts at that. It's like, you know, wish him all the best, but not my club and stuff like that. It's oh, that's just the same thing. Um, and if you say anything back, it's oh well, you know, that's just who I am. You've got to deal with it, kind of thing. I'm not going to change. <laughs> it's like this classic modern mentality of saying that's the price of being a celebrity. You put yourself in the firing line. No, no, don't make excuses for your own behaviour. Um, just ridiculous. But uh, yeah, we all wish him the best. He's a lovely guy. You know, interviewed him on a few occasions. Um, really focused good guy and has got a hell of a lot of talent as well and I still say I wouldn't judge him entirely on the way he has been in recent years because of the the fear in his hamstrings but even within that people kind of forget some of the really terrific performances there's been some excellent ones in there especially against the big sides like the Man Cities and Liverpools he's come out with some really big performances defensively as well come up with some key moments with assists as well um all of that while everything else has been rumbling on in the background with him and his injuries. So, uh, yeah, I've, I feel like this is going to be one of those that feels like a dark cloud, but there'll be a kind of a silver lining to it and, uh, and hopefully has a, a really good career going forward. I think some people forget as well. He actually went to the 2018 World Cup with the England squad. He was one of three players. I think he was alongside Mason Mount and Phil Ferdin. Uh, yeah who just got to experience what playing or see what playing in the major tournament is like, the build-up, all of that. Because uh, Gareth Southgate quite clearly had him in his plans for the future. And it's just not it's not worked out for him. But like we say, just hopefully, fingers crossed, the surgery all goes well. And from August onwards, he can start making a big, big impact on the pitch once again. He was 17 right. years old and he was... a championship player of the season <laughs> he like yeah. drove that Fulham team into the uh, Premier League it's just yeah yeah so much more to come from him Tottenham were in action on last Saturday at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium it was the under 21s they were playing against Fleetwood Town really good win convincing 6-0 uh, Dane Scarlett on the score sheet Will Lankshire got a hat-trick uh, Iago Santiago Niall John uh, also scoring Jamie Donnelly, four assist, fourth assist in the game from him. <laughs> Superb. What a reverse ball that was. I mean, he was a bit fortuitous with his first one, with a, yes. a shot, miscued shot that, uh, you know, fell kindly into Will Lancashire's path. But really good win. Uh, you were watching on at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Um, it was quite nice with... You know, having no first team football on and uh, being able to still go to the stadium and, and watch a really good game. Um, there were about just under 2,000. I think it was about 1,800 people were there on the day. Um, I'd, I'd gone to see, I think, 
if I'm not mistaken, all the money. I think it was something like 10 quid a ticket for adults, £2 for children. I think it was all going to the foundation for charity and stuff. Or certainly profits. Well, I can't remember exactly details of it. But it was a, it was a really good atmosphere. You know with the under-21s, you're going to get really good football. Um, they're scoring a lot of goals this season. Got a lot of attacking players. And I do wonder whether Cess would have probably played. You know, obviously he was meant to get that first half against West Ham. I do wonder whether he would have probably got a little bit of game time there as well had obviously uh, that injury not come about. But um, yeah, Wayne Burnett, the under-21s boss, just pretty much harnessed every attacking player he could in a lineup. It was incredible. Um, he had up front Will Lankshire, Jude Sinsetbell and Yago Santiago, who are all excellent attackers in their own right. He had Jamie Donnelly and Dane Scarlett as attacking midfielders. So Dane Scarlett, who is a striker playing as a attacking midfielder, and then you had poor Niall John at the back like this diamond formation in the in the midfield, um, kind of a diamond, um, just like, like taking the burden of pretty much all of the defensive duties there while the five in front of him were all attacking. And for the first half an hour or so, it didn't quite work. Fleetwood did well. They were quite organised. They had a 39-year-old in their back line, Nathan Pond, um, who's like a coach there at Fleetwood, and he's a, a, was a Montserrat international as well. Um, and he was very experienced, leaded them well. And it was a good experience, I think, for those young attackers to come up against a guy who kind of his career was is really mainly non-league, but, you know, obviously had a lot of experience um, and, and know-how. Um, and then just about half an hour in, maybe just before, the, the heavens opened and the goals rained down as well. It was all very kind of fitting um, and just, oh. The partnership between Jamie Donnelly and Will Lankshire is just lovely. He, Jamie Donnelly has assisted so many of Will Lankshire's goals this season. Um, and like you say, there was a real range of passes. The first one was a um, uh, a mishit volley across goal that ended up as in a pass. But the second one was a beautiful kind of pinged ball over the top into Lankshire's run, which he uh, took under his control superbly and then touched it home. Third one was a through ball into his path, which Lancashire chipped over the keeper. It was a lovely finish. And then, obviously, Donnelly's fourth was that beautiful reverse ball for Santiago. Um, and in between that, you had the first goal of the game was Dane Scarlett with a lovely turn from a Niall John pass and then hitting it into the far corner. Um, and then Niall John also, as a defensive player, also scored with a, a bouncing half volley himself. Um, and look, yeah, Fleetwood are, um, what are they, League One or League Two? Um, Fleetwood there, League One. League One. So, obviously a lower league team, but it's a bit different in the academy kind of world, isn't it? It's like some of these lower league teams have excellent academies. We've seen this over the years. And there were a lot of good young players in their team as well. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a bit of an excuse, I think, for Spurs to put on a show. It was the Premier League Cup, last 16, and as the game wore on, they just kind of bossed it. And and just in Jamie Donnelly, they had a player who is at that stage now where he's probably too good for the under-21s. He's right on that edge of it's almost looks too easy for him. But like we've said a million times, the Premier League is then this huge, huge step on top of that. So just because he's amazing in that doesn't mean he walks into the team, you know, on a on a Saturday for Postacoglu. But you know, he's certainly getting noticed by the uh, the first team. And, you know, he wouldn't have three appearances in the Premier League, one in the FA Cup this season, and and throwing him in in some big moments. You know, he trusts him. Um, and he was just phenomenal. I mean, 
got his stats here somewhere. They just are crazy. 17 assists and seven goals in 19 games for the under-21s. That is ridiculous. And and even on top of that, if you want to chuck them in, five goals in five matches for the England under-19s as well. I kind of I got a chance to interview him after the game. I think it was his first um, non-Spurs kind of interview that he's done, um, which I was trying to think. I think that's a good thing for him in a way because I did Skippy's first interview and obviously he's gone on to play a hundred times or more for Spurs. I was one of the early ones to do Harry Winks. I don't think I was the first, but I was definitely among the early bunch of interviews he did. And obviously he's become an England international. So, I mean, I've done a few others that haven't made it to be fair. Um, very, you know, for differing reasons, talented players that just never quite made it. Um, but maybe, maybe that means something for Jamie. Um, I'm sure it doesn't at all, but it would be nice if it did. Um, but he spoke very well. He did. Um, sometimes, and you know, we've both been there, when you're interviewing very young players, you might get one-word answers. You might have to have about 100 questions ready to try and string something together because, you know, it's new to them all um, and they've got to be media trained and everything. Um, but no, he spoke well, and uh, it was a really interesting interview afterwards. I mean, I mean, he's 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 got the potential to be a very good player for Spurs, hasn't he? He does. I mean, the stats he read out are absolutely incredible, and now it's about making that step up into the first team, and it's just about the chances coming his way, uh, free appearances off the bench in the Premier League. Is it this season? Uh, uh, Premier League, oh. yeah, one in the FA Cup. Yeah, uh, big occasions as well. Man City away, uh, Brentford at home as well when they were trying to hang on to a point against Brentford and City when they were trying to get a point. Uh, so yeah, he's more than made his mark. He's clearly made his impression uh, in first-team training. Uh, Postacoglu was quite clearly seen something in him because otherwise he wouldn't have been on the bench uh, mm. numerous times. And yeah, it's, it's difficult really. It's just about getting that opportunity uh, and grasping it when it comes his way. Uh, a good few minutes so far in games is, you know, good, but you just want to build on that and build on that. And yeah, hopefully there'll be a couple more opportunities for him uh, between now and the end of, end of the season because he's quite clearly someone who can have an impact in the final third. We just want to see it now. Yeah, he's loving his time in the first team. I was talking to him about that, and he's just, he, he's a Spurs fan as well. His family are Spurs fans. He's just in his absolute happy place. He's a very grounded young guy as well. He knows, in his own words, I haven't done anything yet. I've just kind of just got to the edges of it now. It's down, I want to be starting games. I've got to work towards that. Um, he was very good on Ange. He said uh, essentially that he doesn't talk much in training. Um, but he speaks very, very well, and you can. And he says that he sees everything. So I've got to be on it in every session. Um, and he spoke about watching players like James Madison. They're the kind of players that he he knows, especially this season where he's playing in the midfield because he used to be a striker. Jamie he's kind of moved further back down the pitch. He looks at James Madison and what he can learn from him. He said Sonny's been brilliant with him. He says Sonny's constantly giving him advice in training sessions. Even just little things like just being a little bit more composed in front of goal, taking an extra touch if you need it in certain situations. And for, you know, that's gold dust. For a 19-year-old to have one of the best players in the world 
telling you what to do in certain scenarios in front of goal. This is a Premier League golden boot winner telling you how to score goals. It's it's, it's just perfect for him. And what I really like as well is the fact that, you know, a lot of the first team players have come back now from their injuries. So these young players that were on the bench are no longer on there. Um, and I kind of said to him, like, like, how do you deal with that now? Because obviously you've got so close and it's almost like you've stepped back into the pack again, the under-21s. And he said, he was very clear about it. He said, look, I've got to be the best player in every under-21s match I've, I'm playing in. That's it. That's the way to get, um, you know, he said he noticed me, obviously, Postacogli means, you know, th- that's the way. And that is such a great attitude. There's so many players that I've covered or interviewed in the past that I've seen drop back down to the under-21s and they've struggled. They really have. That They've found it difficult to reintegrate then against other with young players. They kind of feel like they were better than that. There's a lot of frustration, a bit of bitterness and, and not understanding why they've had to go back. Jamie Donnelly is, is absolutely not like that. I mean, I think it helps that that's a great group, the under-21s. They're all kind of really friends as a tight-knit group. Same as the first team, there's a similar thing going on. And you can see that with the results. Same with Stuart Lewis and the under-18s as well. Um, so it makes it easier to step back and just be playing with your mates in a way. But he's just got this terrific attitude. And and a question for you, really, because it is one that I see pop up on social media. Is Ange doing enough to include the young players when he doesn't have to, if you see what I mean? Uh, well, a lot of them have been training, haven't they? with the first team uh it's it's one of these when there was just all those injuries then you wanted to see them get the game time a, a bit more it could have been an opportunity there for maybe alfie dorrington to start when there was no center backs and when spurs have been struggling in the uh, final third then you're thinking give jamie donnelly uh, a chance because he's doing it for the under 21s you need mm-hmm. to give him a go uh yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, uh, really. Some managers maybe would have uh, gone for it and given them uh, a few more minutes in the first team, but Ange just hasn't so far. Uh, but, I mean, all they can do is just keep on impressing him and just giving him no choice but to start them. Uh, so, I mean, that's all they can really do. And just fingers crossed that over the coming weeks and months that there will be those opportunities there for them because clearly it does look like there's a talented bunch of players coming out of Tottenham's academy at the moment. And I think all Tottenham fans want to see, you know, one of their own make it in the first team and following the footsteps of like Harry Kane, etc. But it's just about those opportunities coming away and that's just down to the manager, really. Yeah, I mean, we, we've spoken recently about the Simon Davies interview, the podcast interview. He did the academy director at Spurs. And he kind of shares the same belief as Andrew that, yeah, there's a few players coming through, but there's a lot more needs to be done in that academy. And that's, as I kind of said a little bit earlier, it is key that people realise that you can be fantastic in the under-21s, but that doesn't translate to being fantastic for the first team. It is a huge, huge jump. And yes, I understand the logic of, but you won't know until you put them in there. But what I would say is, what maybe people forget about when they're saying these things is there's this vital little thing that we don't all get to see, and that's training sessions. And if a player in those training sessions isn't quite, you can just see they're not ready yet. They're not quite up to the tempo and pace that a Premier League player is putting on them or within a setup or a system that that brings. 
then they're not quite ready yet. Um, and look, with Jamie, he came on and did really well in those games in the first team. But would I say, was he able to be the Jamie Donnelly we know? Was he able to play those amazing through balls and everything like that? No, we didn't get to see that because the first thought pretty much was survive. <laughs> I mean, I asked him, I asked him about that. I said, what was it like coming on in the 89th minute at the Etihad with the Man City fans, like the noise, you know, we were there. And as they were looking to kind of get themselves back into that, uh, or sorry, get themselves the winning goal they needed late on. And he was like, you know, he was very honest. He said, I was scared. I was nervous. I was. It was my first introduction. I'm going into like one of the biggest games you can chuck a player into against the champions of England. And kind of when I put that out, again, we talk about social media, I saw some people say, oh, well, if that's the mentality, he's never going to make it. It's like, no, that's not it. Any player is going to be chucked into that. There's going to be a bit of nerves. Of course you are. And mostly, as he said, because he didn't want to let the team down. He's a Spurs fan. He didn't want them to concede on his watch kind of thing. And I think you found that a lot of his performances were very much kind of that. It's about helping the team, sacrificing a lot of the stuff we see him do for the under-21s in order to protect the team and the situation they were in. Um, so you've got to kind of have different kind of opportunities, I think, to bring a player like that into a game like, you know, I think probably the best one was he came on against Newcastle. That's probably the best situation where they were ahead and then maybe he's got a bit more time. Um, but, you know, there is also, despite Andrew's best efforts at saying there isn't, there is a bit of a pecking order. So players like a Brian Hill are going to come on ahead of him. You know, players that have, at this moment in time, whether that's right or wrong, and like I say, whether that's to do with training sessions and who's impressed the most in it, that's another thing. But the key is for him, exactly like you said, it's to to be the best, to get noticed, and then make it such a hard decision that why is another player get on the bench ahead of him, regardless of whatever transfer fee they came in for. I know a lot of people at the moment are going on about Klopp's kids and yeah. you know Liverpool's academy, but Jurgen Klopp had no choice on Sunday yeah. in the Carabao Cup final but to play these uh, young lads. And you know, fair play to them. They've all done really, really well, especially Connor Bradley, who's come through with play. He looks a really good player. And there's like Kwanzaa, who's getting a decent amount of minutes this season. But Did you just say I, fair play to Liverpool, just to check there? Uh, no, to the players who've <laughs> come in and played well. So you got to give them credit in that situation. Absolutely. Done really, really well. Uh, but let's be honest, would he have thrown them on if they had a fully fit squad? No. It's just these opportunities come up from time to time. I mean, look at Marcus Rashford at Manchester United. I think yeah. He was behind... Ashley Fletcher uh, in the pecking order. This was when Louis Van Gaal was manager in about 2016. Van Gaal had no choice but to play Rashford, and it was the making of him. These, you know, you're just waiting for that opportunity, but all Donnelly and Tottenham's youngsters can do at the moment, you just keep giving their all and give Ange no choice but to play them. Yeah. I mean, Harry Kane was behind Adebayor and Soldado at Spurs. And it was uh, essentially just just kept pressing his case, making his claim to be in there. And eventually, Pochettino just had to put him in there. And, and obviously, the rest is history. And, look, you know, the same could be said of Will Lancashire eventually as well. He's a very talented young player. He's got a long way to go, but he's got a little bit of the, the cane physique about him. He's got a lovely touch, lovely finish. Um, you know, I, I said in my match report the other day, um, his partnership with Donnelly reminded me a little bit of Kane and Son, like an academy version of it. 
Um, so that would be wonderful. You know, if in a couple of years' time we're doing these podcasts and we're talking about the likes of Jamie Donnelly and, and Will Lankshire combining for goals and things like that, but they've got to get there and there's a lot of hard work to get there and it might mean a loan or two in the meantime, especially because with Jamie, you know, we talk about one player, we're trying to get excited and push this young player and then you're almost forgetting that you've got Alfie Devine coming back in the summer. You've got Lucas Bergvall coming through the door as well, both who play in the number eight position. You know, which one of the fans going to want to see? Can you have more than one young player in the squad in that position or do you have to let two of them go out on loan? It's, yeah, it's uh, it's a bigger picture than I think we sometimes think it is. We are going to discuss Lucas Bergvall uh, yes. in a minute because he did have uh, quite the weekend for Djurgaard in, in the Swedish Cup. But before then, uh, we'll be talking about the benefits of using NordVPN. Uh, Ali, take us away. Yeah, it is that time in the show when we talk about NordVPN and uh, how brilliant it is that we've kind of been able to push the virtues of it and the benefits of it. And we always get to hear back from people telling us, you know, how it's worked for them, which is fantastic. And I only used it a couple of weeks ago while uh, enjoying myself around uh, Disneyland Paris, while also being able to kind of access things from home as well switching my device to think it was back in the uk so uh yeah it's it's good that people are getting something out of our partnership with them um and like we always say it benefits us if it benefits them it benefits us as well because it becomes a strong partnership for us with this podcast and nordvpn as well who've been with us now for a, a long old while and uh yeah it's 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 well I've said it enough times, you know it. It's the fastest VPN in the world. And that means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favourite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. And the beauty of it is as well, it's not just about watching things uh, in other countries from back home or likewise watching things from other countries while you're back home, but you can also use it to, let's say, book tickets from another country um, if they might be cheaper if you're buying it from the destination country, let's say, or, or whatever that can work and you can use your VPN to do that. You can use it to enhance your security as well. If you're using a public Wi-Fi, it certainly helps with that. I've done that a few times as well, using a public Wi-Fi, especially if you're doing anything that involves anything to do with data on your phone, really. Um, Yeah, and you can purchase streaming services from other countries as well, sometimes at a cheaper rate. So it means you're paying out for Nord, but you're actually saving money overall. There's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash goldguest and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support our podcast if you get it. The link is in the episode description box if you just missed it. Right, Lucas Bergvall uh, then. I'm sure everyone has seen that uh, goal he scored for Djurgaard in, in the Swedish Cup against Nordic United on Sunday. Uh, 5-0 win. That was his second goal of the game. Uh, if you've not seen it by now, basically he picks it up about 10 yards inside his own half, three players around them, quick turn, you know, puts on the afterburners and charges towards the penalty area, uh, manages to go past one of the centre-backs. Uh, the other centre-back and the left-back comes into closing down, looks a bit of a tricky situation, but manages to roll the ball from his uh, right foot to his left and then slots it past the goalkeeper. Some finish. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Just before it goes out of my head, I just forgot to say the Will Lancashire hat-trick was the fastest ever recorded at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Completely forgot to mention that with him. But yeah, Lucas Bergvall, 
it was. It was one of those where it was incredible technique um, and showed his confidence. I think if we're also going to mention that Spurs were playing against Fleetwood Town in the under three ones, we should also mention that Jurgen's opponents were in the third tier of Swedish football. It was a cup game. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't the most amazing opposition in the world. And certainly there was a certainly in the box towards the end of the move, it got a little bit kind of uh, fortunate, I guess. But that doesn't detract from the quality that this uh, young man has. And and that's why I mentioned him, you know, when we talk about Jamie Donnelly, it's like, this is what he's got to compete against. You've got a player who's coming in as one of the hottest talents in Scandinavian football, brought in for what, about eight and a half million pounds. Um, Barcelona wanted him and uh, Spurs got him. And I think we're going to be very much on Bergvall watch for the rest of this season, seeing how, uh, or the first half of his season when it actually starts, seeing um, what he gets up to in that league. He's definitely going to be a dominant player for them this season. You can see that in the Alsvenskan. Um, he last year had a, an injury. I think he had a little procedure last summer, which um, it just kind of took him a little bit longer to get into the season because of that. But he was starting to really show what he could do. And they kind of believe that this season is going to be their real dominant force. And despite the fact he's only just turned 18 as well, it's remarkable. Um, and yeah, he had a good game. There was a couple of goals, lovely assist. Um, yeah, Spurs are, are not going to be found wanting in the young quality stakes next summer. Um, it is a case of trying to find the opportunities for them um, and also which ones adapt most quickly, I guess, to the, the Premier League. Um, when I spoke to Peter Kisfaludi, who'd worked with him for many years at uh, Bruma Paikana and then uh, and he said he thought it would probably take him about six months. He thought to really get into the swing of the Premier League and the tempo and adapt to it. Um, but he's intelligent enough that it will happen. Um, yeah, very excited to see July the 1st. He'll he'll be kind of heading over um, and yeah, to see what he brings to Tottenham because he's got all of the potential to be a bit of a star. He does. Uh, as impressive as that goal was, uh, I was probably more impressed by his assist uh, for Joe Garden's third of the afternoon. If you've not seen it, he's on social media. Uh, basically, he gets it in the area. I think two defenders by him. One of his teammates is a couple of yards away. It looks like he's going to pass to him, but manages reverse ball between the defenders and another, uh, I think it's Joe Garden's striker, was just there to lash it home uh, into the top of the net. Really, really impressive uh, I think it just shows his, the creative side of the game, what he's going to bring. His Obviously vision been, as well. Yeah, he's been playing in like a box-to-box role previously, but looking yeah. uh, in Jurgarden's pre-season friendlies and the Swedish Cup so far, he's operated as a number 10 and then on the right wing. So I think that's only going to help himself and Tottenham out yeah. going forward. Uh, but yeah, it looks a very promising player, uh, to say the least. What was the better assist, that one or Donnelly's for the final goal? Uh, Bergvall's. Oh, as good really? As, yeah, yeah. Donnelly's was excellent, but I thought Bergvall's was even better. Just tight space. You're just not expecting him to do that. Okay. I'm going to go uh, the other way. I think the vision required... Donnelly's kind of cut apart about four yeah, players. Yeah. Um, and actually, we didn't even talk about the finish from Santiago, which is superb. He like brought... 
rounded the keeper, sent him one way, and then the covering defender came in and he sent him going the other way and then tapped it in the net. It was very nice. But yeah, hey, we're splitting hairs. Both absolutely quality um, assists, showed real vision and uh, yeah, exciting stuff for the future. Yeah, you did the loan roundup yesterday on the football.london website. A uh, couple of standout players. I think young Matthew Craig got plenty of praise from. I think it's Doncaster manager Grant McCann and Jaffa Tanganga, first senior goal. <laughs> not probably not the greatest of goals and one he didn't even celebrate as well because uh, he was injured from the collision, but y'all count. Yeah, absolutely. He got absolutely clattered. It was a brave header. He kind of threw himself in front of uh, the Southampton keeper, got the looping header in, and he played really well. Got man of the match as well. It wasn't just about that goal. Um, I think it kept a Che Adams shot going from going over the goal line as well. Um, yeah, really big performance from him that got a lot of praise from his manager as well. And yeah, like you say, Matthew Craig, um, he's had a kind of month to remember really he got his first assist as a senior pro then he got his first goal as a senior pro did it about four years uh before um Jaffet Tanganga managed it um and uh yeah at the weekend he was just superb and yeah his boss was absolutely raving about him saying he's gonna have a really top career I'm intrigued to see what kind of where it goes for him now because he's 20 years old Scotland under 21 international uh defensive midfielder in the main although he is quite versatile as well um don't know whether he's going to make it at Spurs. We'll have to see. Uh, but he's definitely showing he's going to have a very successful career in the game. It may, you know, whether it is in the football league or even higher, we'll see. But uh, yeah, he's kind of come on leaps and bounds. Obviously, he made his Premier League debut for Spurs, didn't he? he came off the bench with George Abbott um, in the final game last season under Ryan Mason. Was it Palace, wasn't it? No, it was um, Leeds. Leeds away. Oh, Leeds. Sorry, I always said yeah. Palace. Of course, it was Leeds. Palace was the. Harvey White's debut. That was it, Harvey White. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. But he's certainly going in the right direction. Um, in terms of other notable things in the loan roundup, Tongi Underbele is still injured at the moment. He's missed a couple of games. Uh, there's some speculation about the manager there at Galatasaray could be in danger because of his inability to get the best out of Tongi. And also um, Wilfred Zaha as well hasn't been amazing since going there. Um, just the kind of idea that he's got a lot of these star players that have come in and maybe isn't getting the best out of them. Alfie Devine and Ashley Phillips both were played, started in the, they got beaten in midweek, Plymouth 3-0 by West Brom, and then they were both taken out of the team to give them a rest for the 2-0 win against Middlesbrough. Um, that was just all it was, just because the two 18-year-old and 19-year-old have come in and played every minute pretty much, and they just felt they needed a bit of rest in their legs. Um, who else we got? Regulon. Oh, we played. Would have played last night, wouldn't yeah. we? Um, yeah, that wasn't a great, great night for for Brentford at all. Um, Troy Parrott. He's uh, had a couple of games in a row where he hasn't got a goal or assist at the moment. He's doing a lot of defensive work. That's the trouble, I think. In a way, he's playing for a team in Excelsior Rotterdam in the Netherlands that are fifteenth in their league, and there is a lot of games that are having to really dig in and battle. So for the fact that he's got. 10 goal involvements in 20 games, seven goals and three assists. It kind of says a lot about how kind of well he's playing. Joe Roden, uh, Leeds obviously flying high. He, I saw the Leeds live player ratings from his uh, performance in that big match against Leicester. And actually, ironically, after them winning 3-1 and being such a huge result, 
he actually was one of the lower performers. He got a six, and they were saying that he did struggle a little bit at times with the just the pace of the constant attacks from Leeds, uh, Leicester. Sorry. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. That's the first time I've seen that. He's been very consistent this season. So maybe just a little bit of an off day for him. Uh, elsewhere, Valise, Aleja Valise came on at Real Madrid. Just shows that uh, what a lone move. You know, your second game is playing at the Bernabeu. Um, and it's, yeah, he's just now kind of working his way, getting a bit more minutes with each game and, and trying to get him starting matches there. He is their number 10. Um, no one really else have missed out. Eric Dyer obviously is playing as whether you consider him to still be kind of part of the roundup because obviously his contract comes to an end soon. He played as Harry Kane kind of bailed out Bayern against Leipzig. Uh, and Josh Keeley is the other one, um, doing very well for Barnet in the National League. They're second now in the National League. Um, he's having a terrific time. It's for a goalkeeper to get any kind of loan move is difficult enough because there's so few spots open out there. Um, and he's he's gone in doing very well there. Twenty year old Republic of Ireland under twenty one international, a massive experience for him. So yeah, that's kind of the the overview of those out and about on loan. Yep. So it's Crystal Palace at home for Tottenham on Saturday. Another three pm kickoff in North London. Going to be a big game this for Spurs because. In the previous games, they've started slowly, managed maybe to get out of jail against Brentford and Brighton by getting those wins, but mm. Wolves punished them last time out. Palace will be coming into the game in confident mood after a 3-0 win over Burnley. Uh, Oliver Glasner, now in charge of the Eagles, he was actually at Tottenham versus Wolves uh, 10 days ago to watch the game. So he'll have an idea of how Ange and Spurs play Uh I think it's just, it's very much is a must-win game now for Spurs because there's a five-point gap between them and Villa. Spurs do have the game in hand to come against Chelsea. But now I think it's just a case of trying to, you know, get back to the best, build some real momentum for the end of the season. And it is going to be uh, a tough, tough game against Palace. They usually are. Yeah, I think the weekend off, in terms of other results... Obviously, Spurs were helped with what happened behind them with Man U and Brighton. Obviously, you don't have to talk about Brighton. That's fine. Um, and uh, that late equaliser. Um, yeah, so behind them, it helped. But in front of them, like you say, Villa, kind of with the result against Forest, moving ahead a little bit. Obviously, got that massive match at Villa as well in not too long. And now they've got the Ajax game in between that as well. So, yeah, this is a huge kind of jumping off point, really, for Spurs to try to not even just win. I think they need to kind of be convincing again. Um, just put away some of those little doubts that have started to creep in about the, the style of football and, and whether it needs to be a plan B and things like that. Um, because, yeah, he's had two weeks to work with them. I do think whether we get to see one at least of the fullbacks coming back is going to be important as well to it. But... Likewise, if he is to be, you know, Davies and Emerson again, then learning to adapt the system to to use that um, rather than expecting them to play in exactly the same way as a doggy and Poro would. Um, yeah, needs to be. They've had two weeks. There's no excuses. There should be no tiredness. There should should be no lack of preparation. There should be absolutely no reason why they come out for the first two minutes and start brightly and then fade it like they've done in recent games uh, until then coming back again in the second half a bit. They need to be on it from 
you know, zero to 98, 99, however long the match is, because like I say, two weeks, you, you, there's no reason they shouldn't be ready for this um, or fully fit, fresh um, and taking on a Palace side that, yeah, will have a little bit of burst of confidence with the new manager bounce that they have got. It's not always the thing, but they did get it with, with Glasner coming in, um, a guy that was linked with Spurs as well um, in the past. So, yeah, it, it is a big game. It's one of those where they mess it up and just those little nagging doubts start to grow and you don't want that going into such a big game against Villa, which could be a real, not a decider for the rest of the season, but a, a match where you want to kind of leave a marker for. Um, so yeah, start it this weekend, get a bit of momentum going and, you know, the crowd will play their part as well. Um, it sounded like it was a little bit flat last week, uh, the previous weekend against Wolves as well. Um, that's partly to do with the team as well. But yeah, get everyone clicking again. Um, and yeah, what team he picks is going to be interesting too. A lot of decisions there. What 11 would you put out? Uh, I think a lot of it just picks itself. I think for me, the key decision is going to rest on whether Doggy and Porro are back. And if not, then it's Davis and Emerson. I think midfield, it's uh, Madison and then... I don't know between Basuma and Ben. It doesn't pick itself. <laughs> no, a, a lot of it picks itself. It's yeah, just no, literally like one or two positions. Uh, I don't know which way he goes with Benzker or Basuma because the midfield three of Basuma, Sarah, Madison worked so well earlier in the season, but yeah. then Basuma didn't have his best of games uh, against Wolves, but he's going to take a bit of time to get back to those previous levels. Benteke is trying to get back to his previous levels as well, so I don't know who will start out of those two. Then I think I'd probably keep faith with the same front three, uh, Son Richarlison and Kulisevsky. Then you've got Timo Werner, Brendan Johnson waiting to come on. Yeah, it's, oh, it's a really difficult one because they were so kind of poor up front as well. It's like, do you stick with that front three? But I can understand the logic of it. Um, I would but wonder who, in the who game... Who do you bring in then? Or who do you drop? I think his first go-to choice at the moment is Timo Werner, isn't it? So I wonder whether he brings him in. And uh, I mean, Some... also... Well, I was going to say, Richarlison wasn't great. That was probably one of his poorer performances, whether he plays Son through the middle for a game. He could do that. Um, yeah, in midfield, do you? I think you can probably, maybe it's a game where you could play Benzenker as the six. Um, you could probably don't as much need the tackling ability of Basuma, perhaps. But then you kind of want Basuma to get into a bit of a rhythm because you're going to need him at Villa Park. It's It's, yeah. There's a lot of decisions for him to make. And like you say, a lot will be um, kind of on injury news as well that we'll get this um, Friday at the press conference. Yeah, I'm not sure if Palace will have Abair uh, Reze back. Uh, he's been missing for a few weeks. I think it was around early February uh, when he was ruled out of action for probably about three weeks. So potentially he could be back. I don't think Michael Elise will be back, but Spurs have come up against Palace already this season when they didn't have Eze and the Lise, and you know those two plays make a big, big difference. But you know, even if they're not in the team, Palace can't be really hard uh, to break down. It just always seems to be the case with them; they're always well set up, and that. So, yeah, gonna be a big, big game in North London, and you know, 
March for me is such a crucial time in the season because you've got an opportunity to build some real, real momentum ahead of the business end of the campaign. And there's a run of six games coming up now. When you're looking at the fixtures, you're thinking, yeah, now perhaps a, a favourable run of games for a team in Champions League contention. Spurs are really going to be playing two of uh, the top 10 in the next six games. One of those is Villa away, what's going to be a huge, huge game. The other one's West Ham away. But other than that, it's uh, Crystal Palace, Luton, Nottingham Forest at home and Fulham away. So the away ones are going to be tricky, but you'd be mm. expecting Spurs top of the game to pick up uh, you know, maximum points from the games at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And momentum's massive in football. If Spurs can get on a good run in these next six games, Try get back to the previous levels, you know, when they're on the game from the first whistle on the front foot, putting teams to the sword. Then confidence is going to be sky high coming into, you know, that tricky period in April when it's the Newcastle away, Man City at home, Arsenal at home, Liverpool away all in a row, and maybe even the Chelsea away games thrown in there. Yeah. So, yeah, just Spurs need a bit of momentum behind them at the moment. I think they've got a good chance uh, to build some. Yeah, it looks like Eze should be back. He's been back in training, so he should right. be available. Uh, Mark Gay won't, by the looks of it. He's not going to be back in time for that game. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Pluses and the positives and negatives there from that little injury update. Um, yeah, yeah. It's all on Spurs, though. It is. It's This is the Postacoglu way. He wants it on the team to dominate and, and push and be aggressive and the aggression is going to be the key thing. It's definitely has been missing in recent weeks. So, uh, yeah, that needs to come back big time. Right. I think we'll leave that there for today's latest episode of Golden Guest Tot Tottenham. We'll be back next week to reflect on the Crystal Palace game and then also look ahead to that crunch game at Villa Park against Aston Villa. As ever, thank you for listening and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day mini-back guarantee and you'll help support our podcast. The link is in the episode description box.